Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. But yesterday, um, I was at, uh, I took my boys to go to the gym because um, they want to get buff next year for football season. So I was just going to work on my message while they're at the gym. And um, I sit down in the lobby, and this guy sits next to me, and I had my earphones in and everything, and you know, just starting to work, and he starts talking to me over my headphones. And I was like, okay, looks like I'm not working on my message today for this you know, next hour and a half or whatever. And so he started talking to me, and he was a great guy. He was an 80-year-old veteran, and had uh, been in the Navy for a long time. He's now a consultant with the government or whatever, and he starts just talking to me about um, the world, and you know, it was obviously election week, and, and he was telling me that um, he's 80 years old, and he's like, he asked me what branch I was in, and I was like, oh, sir, I'm not in the military. Um, what'd you say? The Lord's Army, yeah. And, um, and I said, but did you serve? And he said, yeah, I was in the Navy, and, and he said, um, he's like, well, you look like you could be in the military, man. He's like, you know, I'm still, I can still push 400 pounds. I'm 80 years old. He goes, well, my energy levels are kind of going down. He's like, you got any advice for me? And I was like, well, I think at some point it just happens. Um, and so, but he was telling me like, he was telling me how he was taught how to kill people before they hit the ground. So he said, you know, he could still do that, but if it goes anything beyond that, he would lose energy. He's like, like if we were boxing, and I was like, like this guy was like tough. And... Um, I was like, he's, and he was telling me this story about like, you know, his view of America and how things have gone. And he said, yeah, these, these three punks came up to me just recently and, the, you know, you old man, you effing this, effing that, give us your money. And he said, he stood there and he said, which one do you want to come take it first? <laughs> 80 year old man, veteran. And he said, those dudes rolled, they left. And I was like, good job, man. We don't make them like you anymore. We're trying to feminize our military now, but you, man, we need you back in there. And uh, so he was like, he was all fired up. But then he, he just continued to talk, and you could tell he was just kind of losing hope in the world. He's lonely, which is why he was talking to me over my headphones. And, um, but just a, just a great guy, and he's, um, but he said he was going to get an SUV and just go to the mountains and just, you know, forget society. And it just, it just like kind of touched my heart a little bit because I don't like talking to people that don't have hope. I don't like talking to people who aren't around a community like this that just because of some things that have happened recently are losing hope and are depressed or lonely or whatever, especially a veteran like him who has fought for this country. And he was just, he was just um, devastated with how, you know, the country's being, being ran and being um, handled and looked at, um, something that he gave his, you know, potentially his life for. And so um, I just felt bad for him, but it got me thinking about our, our series. Our series right now is called It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And I like that because no matter how abundant your life is now, it can be more abundant. There's no limits on what Jesus can do in your life. There's no ceilings in heaven. The only limits on your life is what we put on our life. So, so looking at somebody like this who actually has been to our church, El the El Cajon campus, 
I asked him about church. He said, yeah, uh, I go to Awaken Church. I said, we're standing up for stuff. And he said, yeah, I've, I've been to the El Cajon one. You need to go to the El Cajon one. They really know what they're doing out there. It's like, yeah, these, these, these Australians, they just got here from Australia, and they're just, they're really doing stuff. You know, they need to go all over the country, but they won't do it, you know. And so it was, uh, it was, it was funny, but, but he doesn't know that he's supposed to have life and life more abundantly. And so he's kind of settled for what society has been telling him and just looking at through a lens of, of, of depression or loneliness or no hope. And so, um, I just started thinking about this series and, and what Jesus's um, desire is for that guy. And the truth is, my life has been pretty wonderful. Like, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are still married. I think they're probably here. They've been married for 50-something years. There they are over there. They're amazing. So I grew up in church. I, you know, had a pretty good life. My sisters are still really good friends of mine. They still live here. I love my nieces and nephews. Um, all of our kids are doing pretty good. They're all healthy. They're all doing good in school. I got to, you know, um, live my dream and play baseball at UCLA and then get drafted, play for a few years professionally. I got to, you know, um, got married to a beautiful woman. I have three beautiful kids. Um, Pastor Victoria here in the front. And so my life is, was pretty good. Um, but looking back, I realized that Jesus was a big part of my life in making my life what it was, but I wasn't making him a big part of my life. And so I realized that, that the wonderful life that I have now is all because I met wonderful. I submitted my life to wonderful. Did you know that's one of the names of God is wonderful? In Isaiah, in Isaiah uh, 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. And I want you to know that in the Bible, whenever God calls himself something, that's who he is. And if you submit yourself under Wonderful, wonders are going to be full in your life. When you submit yourself under counselor, you're gonna have wisdom, access to wisdom in your life. When you submit yourself to a mighty God, you're gonna have power to do things that you didn't have to do before. When you submit your life to the everlasting Father, you're gonna realize that his promises and his word is everlasting, they never expire. When you submit yourself to the Prince of Peace, you have access to peace in your life despite what's happening in the world. But I realized until I submitted my life to wonderful, my life wasn't really full of wonder. The title of my message is Wonderful. Wonderful. In a few weeks, I'm going to preach part two of this message, and it's going to be all about signs and wonders. But today, I'm going to talk to you about how to live a life that attracts wonder into your world. And so the first thing that I learned when I got here, when I fully submitted myself to here, uh, was that if you get planted, you will flourish. The Bible says in Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And so I didn't realize that because I had never really been involved in church before I got here. I grew up in church, but I didn't really get involved in church. I didn't connect with the kids or the youth. We didn't have Friendsgiving. You know, we didn't have that kind of stuff at the churches that I went to. And so we didn't have kids church like we have, youth ministry, junior high ministry like we have. And so I didn't get connected like maybe my kids are right now. And so I never really got planted in the house of God. The very first time I got planted in the house of God was right before we got here at our other church, but it took longer than it should have taken. See, like, I, I never had the courage to get involved in church because I didn't know if I would fit in, really. 
And so I, 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 one Sunday, I was at church, at our old church, and they were talking about connect groups, and I was like, man, I probably should do that. Because at that point, I was like one and a half foot out and a half foot in. So I would go to church, but sometimes I'd have a hangover. I was flourishing at the club on a Saturday, but then coming to church on a Sunday. Sorry, Mom and Dad. It's not your fault. It's my fault. I was a pretty good evangelist, though, when I started drinking. Like, I would be like, hey, you need to love God. You need to know God. It was like liquid courage, but sorry. I told you I took a pain pill this morning. Who knows? Who knows what's going to come out? Who knows? But, 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 until, but I, I made a call to the Connect Group leader, and, and I never got a call back. And so I got so much, like, courage to make that one call, but I didn't have courage to follow up. And so it's probably three years later after I was in married, and my wife and I just decided to start our own connect group. And so we started our own connect group. We didn't know who was going to come. We just invited some people. But it's just amazing how I spent probably three extra years not flourishing, not having a life full of wonder because I didn't get connected into the house of God. So let me encourage you, if you've called and no one's called you back, please call again. Don't do what I did for three years and just waffle. And so we started to get connected, and we started our, our connect group, and, um, and we started to flourish at a certain level. But then when we got here is when we really submitted ourselves, at least me, to wonderful. And it was then when we got here, we saw that there was a different spirit about this place. I saw and, and recognized that I didn't know all of who God was. I only knew part of God. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about the power of God. I didn't know about any of that stuff. I didn't know Christians were supposed to prosper. I didn't know we had a responsibility to prosper. And so there was, there was a lot of things that I didn't know. But when I got here, we just felt compelled. And I wanted to plant myself in here. So the first thing we did, the first week we were here, is we gave an offering for $10,000. I had never given an offering for $10,000 in my whole life before I got here. And I don't know what it was. It was God. But it was me saying, you know what? I want to anchor myself to the house of God. I want to plant myself here. Because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you give, you anchor yourself into the house of God. And you, and you, you become way less offendable. When I, when I first, when I signed professional, professional baseball, I got a small signing bonus. I put uh, half of it into Dell computers. It's my first investment of my life. I put it half into Dell computers. You better believe that next day, I was the biggest fan of Dell computers. My heart was connected to Michael Dell. I'm like, come on, Michael, you can do it. I'm praying for him. Never prayed before. I'm praying for Michael Dell. I was their biggest fan. I didn't care what he said. I didn't get offended by him. I was just like, come on, Michael, you got to fix that. We got to make some money. You got to turn that 5Gs into, you know, whatever. Same thing in the house of God. If you want to anchor yourself to the house of God, if you want to become less offendable, Begin to give. Begin to give because your heart will be connected to the house of God. That first year, we gave over $30,000 to this house, and we had never given a quarter of that before to a church. But I found myself being planted, and then we just started saying yes. We started saying yes to things. DNA was on, so we're like, yes, we're going to DNA. So we used to have church on Sunday morning, then we'd have DNA for two hours, then we'd have church on Sunday night. And we didn't have any kids or anything, so we'd be at church for like, eight hours, and uh, loving every second of it, like getting everything that we could out of it. And then, and then from there, we started serving. I was on the parking team. My wife was doing the bathrooms. And, um, and so I loved the parking team. Now it's called the tailgate team, apparently. 
So if you want to be on the best team of all time, get on the tailgate team. Um, no offense, that's just where I started. Um, and so that, that's, what we, that's what we did. We just started saying yes to all the different things. Then we took over first impressions. God started to elevate us because we started to just say yes to things. And uh, I remember Pastor Jurgen would be preaching, and um, he would do the Book of Miracles, and he would call people up to pray out of nowhere. Like, you wouldn't know you were about to get called up to pray. You may not even know you were about to get called up to do the offering or the communion. And so it was, it was stressful church, man. It was like, because there was only like about 150 of us. So it was like all of us. So you're trying not to make eye contact during the Book of Miracles. You got like a rehearsed prayer just in case you get called. But I was like leading the usher team, and we were at the, at the gym in Carmel Valley, and there was a big cement uh, wall in between the gym. And so um, literally, I'm not even kidding, during the Book of Miracles, I would go behind the wall <laughs> and act like I was getting the walkie-talkies or whatever, but really I was just frightened to be called upon to pray. <laughs> like, that's how freaky it was. And I couldn't enjoy worship, so I'm like, oh, what if he calls on me, you know? Um, but, you know, back in the day, you had to have, you had to be ready to pray. You had to be ready to have a tithe message. You had to be ready to do communion at the drop of a hat. So it was like, it was, it was fun. Um, but then we, we did, you know, we would just stay, say yes, scared usually. And then I remember one time, uh, Pastor Audrey, who was on the, on the staff came up to me and she's like, I think God's taking you to the next level. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And she's like, I think you need to lead a prayer meeting. I was like, oh, shoot. My heart's beating literally out of my chest. I'm like, I don't know. Like, all these people know way more than me. And, you know, I never even knew about the Holy Spirit. I don't really know how to pray and all this kind of stuff. And, and she, but I just said yes. And so next thing you know, I'm leading prayer meetings. And um, just God is just, was just elevating me because I decided to plant myself in the house of God. And I started to, to realize how powerful God was. And um, Psalm, Psalm 75, 6 to 7 says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts one down and exalts another. So God is the one that increases us, increases us if we're willing to plant ourselves in the house of God. So if you haven't been elevated, I wouldn't look and point fingers at your leader. I might look at God and say, God, what do I need to do? Because it's not my leader that's exalting me. It's you that are. It's you that, that is. And so, and so Becky and I take that seriously. Like we, we look for people who God has his, his hand on to elevate. And sometimes we don't know why things aren't happening for people. But, you know, it's probably something between them and God. But this is the same in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the, in the church, in the kingdom. It's just how it is. And so the first thing I, I would say is I learned how to be planted in the house of God. I didn't know these verses when I did that. I just did it. And now looking back, I know why it works, so that's what I'm trying to share with you. So if you want to attract wonders in your life, then get planted in the house of God. The second thing was faithfulness. Faithfulness equals unlimited increase. If there was one thing I can tell you, whether you're in the marketplace or the kingdom, how do I increase? How do I attract wonders? How do I go to the next level? I would say faithfulness. I would say faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is not loyalty, and loyalty is not faithfulness. You can be loyal and not faithful, but I don't think you can be faithful and not loyal because faithfulness starts with somebody else's stuff. And so if you're not loyal to that, 
to that vision or somebody else's stuff, then how are you going to be faithful to it? So faithfulness is increased, and I'm going to read you the scripture in just a minute. In just a minute. But Luke 10, 16 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least will be, will be unjust in what is much. So God is looking to test you with something small so that he can test you or trust you with something big. And so, so when you get, when you start in small beginnings, don't, don't be discouraged. God is just wanting to trust you with something more. He's trying to trust you with something more. And so, um, God rewards faithfulness in two different ways. The first way he, he rewards faithfulness is by giving you more responsibility, which comes with more authority. So Luke 19 verse 15 says this. And, it, and so it was when the master returned, having uh, received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came first saying, Master, your mina, your sum of money, has earned ten minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you are faithful and very little, have authority over ten cities. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. I want you to know in the kingdom of God, you don't have to go level by level by level. You can skip levels. Faithfulness may cause you to skip levels in the kingdom of God. So you may start small, but then you may find yourself going big very, very quickly. But it all stems from faithfulness. So he says, have authority over 10 cities. But the other thing that I realized is just in preparing this, this message this week is that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Which tells me that you can't be good and faithful unless you have a posture of servanthood. You first have to be a servant. Um, whether, again, whether that's in the marketplace or here. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and gave his life a ransom for many. So uh, servanthood is the posture that you have to have. The second guy comes back and he says, he says Master, your mina has gained five. So he says, great, um, well done, good and faithful servant, have authority over five cities. And so your faithfulness is directly related to your increase. Five minas, five cities. Ten minas, ten cities. So de depending on how faithful you are will be determinant on how much increase you can have. He who gives sparingly will reap sparingly. Um, so then it goes to the end and it says the guy that had one that didn't increase at all, meaning he wasn't faithful, faithfulness is increase. He didn't increase it at all. Um, the master says, take from the guy that didn't increase at all and give him to the guy that did. In other words, take from the unproductive and give to the productive. The corruptocrats today in our world will say, no, 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 let's take from the productive and give to the unproductive, but that's not kingdom. Kingdom says, take from the unproductive and give to the productive. If you want to get stuff done, focus on the productive, not the unproductive. So that's kingdom. So that's kingdom. So that's faithfulness. God's reward and faithfulness is through, uh, in, is through responsibility and authority. The second way he rewards faithfulness is by pruning. Oh, is by pruning. It's not as sexy as immediate increase in authority. It's not as sexy as 10 cities. But it's very, very powerful. John 15, 1 to, 4, or 1 to 5 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that's not fruitful, it's not faithful, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So congratulations for increasing. You're about to be pruned. But the pruning is so that you can bear more fruit, not less fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So pruning is a reward for being faithful. But we don't like the pruning part. It's kind of a process. You kind of got to stick in there a little bit. This is what pruning is. Pruning is, and you could probably do a whole message series on this paragraph, but pruning of uh, uh, fruit-bearing trees is to control growth. God's not going to, God didn't want to make me a pastor day one because I would have ruined the people that I was pastoring. So he's controlling the growth. Fruit-bearing trees to control growth, to remove dead or diseased wood and stimulate the formation of flowers and fruit buds. Pruning often means cutting branches back, sometimes removing smaller limbs entirely. Careful attention to pruning and training young trees affects their later productivity and longevity. And so slow growth, longevity-wise, is better than just rising to the top very, very quickly because you have a gift on your life and because you haven't been pruned yet because God hasn't taken away the diseased woods, cut back the branches yet, started to produce any flowers. So... Careful attention to pruning and training young trees to affect their later productivity and longevity. Good pruning and training can also prevent later injury from weak trees that break from the weight of fruit, snow, or ice on the branches. So God's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to put something in you so that you can carry more weight. He wants to put weight on you. So there, there may be a time in your Christianity, in your life, where it looks like you're stagnant, standing still. It may even look like you're taking a step back, but God is just pruning you to get you to that next level. Because you've been faithful, he wants to put more weight on you, but you may not be able to handle that weight just yet. But stay in the process. If you leave the process too early, you'll nullify the progress. Stay in the process. Stay in the process. Stay in the process. Congratulations for being faithful. The next thing, if you want to attract wonders to your life, I learned how to pray. I learned that prayer was a big part of my life. And when I say prayer, I'm talking today about praying because if I didn't pray, I might have lost my mind. I, ha- I look back at the, 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 um, my prayer life and I give credit to my prayer life for the devastation that my wife and I experienced when we lost everything in 2007 and 2010. When I look back at that time, that was the time that created my prayer life. That's when I discovered the drop zone. That's when I realized that if I don't get up every morning and pray, I might lose my wife. I might lose my family. I might lose my mind. We were fighting for our own house. We had no money to the point where we had to dive into my wife's retirement early. We had to sell my wife's wedding ring so that we could pay our bills. It was horrible. Like we were fighting for our our lives. We were getting, um, God was providing like crazy, you know, like grocery cards and all this kind of stuff from people and that that was never us we were always the ones the ones giving we had to we had to actually receive for a season and it was hard it was very hard but it pushed me to his presence don't ever let the pain push you away from his presence let the pain push you towards his presence so I would get up every day and pray and I would believe God and and what I found was if I didn't do that I would have a terrible day and I, and, I, and I realized at that time that you could have all hell breaking loose in your life, but you could still be okay on the inside. 
It may not look good on the outside, but you could still be okay on the inside. And that was important to me because I had a friend that was living right, uh, a neighbor that was living two doors down from me, someone I'd known my whole life, and I had been witnessing to him, and we had been witnessing to him. And he was watching my financial world crumble. And I knew, and I, was, I would cry out to God, I'd be like, God, my testimony is terrible. Why would this guy ever become a Christian? Look at my life. But I would, go to, I would go to God, and I would go to prayer, and God would encourage me, and somehow, because of my prayer life, I was able to be positive. I was able to smile. I was able to still be engaging. I was able to live a life that, that people probably didn't even know what we were actually going through during the time. I was able to keep my marriage. That is a wonder. My marriage actually got better during that time. That is a wonder. That is only because of prayer and because I have a beautiful wife who didn't blame me for making stupid investments. But she partnered with me to get out of that mess. I look back and I, and, and, and I wonder, there's, I can't believe that we got out of that mess. I can't believe that we went from our, what at that time was our, was our dream house that we had to short sell and we moved into a better house without credit, without a deposit, only Jesus. But it was our prayer life that attracted those wonders, even in a time of chaos and all hell breaking loose around us. In Acts 16, 25 to 26, we know the story about Paul and Silas. They were put in prison. And the Bible says they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. It is, it is important for you and I to have a prayer life because people are listening to you. They're watching you. How are you going to respond to the chaos that's in the world right now? What is your attitude going to be like? What is your countenance going to be like? Are, you, are they still going to want to be around you? Or are you going to be a Debbie Downer everywhere you go? Oh, fatalist. Oh, the world's going to end. There's nothing we can do anyway. Let's just get an SUV and go to the wilderness and chill. What is your life going to look like? You, you still should be able to attract people. You still should be able to be positive if you have a relationship with God and if you have a prayer life. I remember um, in 2020, in July, July of 2020, uh, we went on like what I would say maybe our best vacation ever. We went to the Rogue River in Oregon and went on a white rafting trip. And uh, can you guys put up the photos? The, the photos don't do it justice, by the way. Um, but there's just these, this, these, these rivers that go all through, and that's what it looks like everywhere. And then there's these other you know, pockets of, of, of rapids. And I've been to Yosemite, sorry, Pastor Sterling, but I think the Rogue River is the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Um, it was spectacular. And it was something called the wild and scenic, which means that there's no roads to these places that we were going. We were staying in these cabins where you can't get to unless you have a, a helicopter or like a severe off-road vehicle. And um, there's no lights. So when the sun goes down, you can't see the hand in front of your face. Like it's like you're out there. And you can't call anybody because your phone doesn't work. You can't listen to the radio. They wouldn't put on any music because they wanted you to experience the serenity of the river and of the and of nature and, and connect there. But it was July of 2020. There were riots going on in the streets. There were fires. There was the, the middle of the pandemic. And I remember God speaking to me and, and saying, you can insulate yourself from all of the hell that's going on in the world or all the hell that's going on in your world if you're willing to connect with me, the Prince of Peace. And so we're in this extraordinary environment, insulated from all of the chaos that was happening around us. 
We couldn't find out what was happening if we wanted to find out what was happening. And it's not to say you're to disengage with the world, but what I'm saying is you can be in hell and be okay. You can be losing everything and be okay. You can be going through some health issues and still have a smile on your face. You can do it if you're willing to connect with God, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, Mr. Wonderful himself. Thanksgiving kind of goes along with prayer, but Thanksgiving, I found, is access to him. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a highway to heaven. The Bible says in, in Psalm 100 that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So when I pray personally, I start with thanksgiving to God. I start with thanksgiving to God because it tells me I can enter into his gates. So I need, his ga- I need to enter into his presence when I pray. When I pray for somebody else, I'll often start with thanking God for that person. Why? Because I want to enter into his gates. That person doesn't need to hear from me, needs to hear from him. Doesn't need my power, needs his power. I need to be connected with him. And you'll find that thankfulness energizes you while negativity drains you. I've heard this week all this talk about, because I've just been laying down all week, <laughs> watching the news or whatever, trying to figure out what's going on. I've just heard all this stuff about, you know, the the negativity and, and, you know, the red wave wasn't a red wave. It was a puddle and it was a trickle and all this kind of stuff. And of course I wanted the red wave to be a tidal wave and tsunami and all that kind of stuff. But then I started looking at it and I'm like, God, thank you that Nancy Pelosi is about to get fired. Thank you for all the people at Awaken Church that decided to stand up for what is right and run for school boards, run for Congress. Thank you that there's an awakening happening all over America. Thank you that Charlie Kirk said that that California saved the republic. Because of California Republicans, we've saved the republic. Charlie Kirk said that. So you'll find when you start to thank God for things, you start to get energy about stuff. But if you just complain, it will drain you. Romans 1.21 says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. This, is, this, was the, this was the mindset of this gentleman that I met that I really liked, but he had a futile outlook on life because he wasn't thankful. He wasn't thankful. Futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You'll find that you start to get darkened if, you're, if you lose Thanksgiving in your life. And if we don't acknowledge God and thank him for what he has done, we will become futile. I'm thankful for Kelly Shackelford, who's fighting for religious freedom all over, the, all over the United States, who said that we have the most religious freedom that we've ever had in America, and it's happening right now, just nobody knows about it. I'm thankful for what's happening. I'm thankful for what's happening. Philippians 4, 6 to 8 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, or by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And then it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. 
Let's not meditate on the negativity. Let's praise God for the positivity. Let's praise God for the wins and the victories and the veterans and all the people in our church and what's happening in San Diego, what happened in California. Let's start to praise, let's start to praise God. Let's start to thank him for things that you're believing for in the future like it's already been done. The Bible says to call those things that aren't as though they are. Start to do that if that is our focus. Start to pray for other people. If you're just praying about your own stuff all the time, your life is really small and you're just really focused on you. Begin to pray for other people. I like to pray for other people when I'm not feeling well because you reap what you sow. So when you get the focus off of yourself and begin to pray for other things, you'll start to, to feel yourself energized. The last thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want wonders in your life, you need power. God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power because he wants to empower you to do things you couldn't do before. He wants to give you power for the impossible. I didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was when I got here, but when I got here, I started to, to, to learn a little bit about it. I still didn't know theologically what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't care, I just wanted power. I didn't care if I fell over. I didn't care if I stuck to the wall. I didn't care. I just want power, Lord. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And I started reading books about people, generals in the faith, Christians that I had respect for. And they all said the same thing. They all said that when they started out in their ministry, they had a level of success. They had a level of, of miracles. They would see a level of results. But they all pointed to the baptism of the Holy Spirit when their results took off. So I didn't need to know theologically what all happens when you do that. What does it mean when you speak in tongues? All I knew was they were getting greater results once they received power. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Joel 2.28 says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means everybody has access to it. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start to see what God sees. It's a powerful, powerful thing. So today, I'm gonna have our ministry team up at the front. And if you want power in your life, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come up and receive it. All you, got, you don't have to know everything about it. All you gotta know is your results and your power and your ability to do the impossible will go up. You can learn about it tomorrow. You can receive it today and learn about it tomorrow. Amen? Amen, why don't we close our eyes as we come to a close. I'm believing some of you are gonna get baptized in the Holy Spirit today, and when I preach again in a few weeks about signs and wonders, you'll have experienced them already. But there may be some people here and you've never received Jesus into your life. You've never accepted Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I wanna follow you. He is the wonder maker. He is the one that, that, that formed you, that made a plan for your life. And if you wanna attract wonder in your life, if you want your life to be full of wonder, Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. He is the man. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you're here and you feel far away and you need a fresh start, you're like, man, I need to rededicate myself to him. Can you just lift your hand with every eye closed and head bowed if that's you so I can pray for you? Is there anybody like that? God bless you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you over here. Thank you up there. Thank you. Thank you on my right. Thank you. God bless you over here. Thank you. Amen. Thank you in the front over here to my right. God bless you. Incredible. 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 
Thank you up there to the right. Thank you. Amen. I want to pray a prayer. Every eye closed and head bowed. And I want to ask that everybody in the building, especially those of you that lifted your hand, pray this prayer. We're going to invite Jesus into your life, and you're going to find that your world becomes a world full of wonder. Say these words, everybody in the building. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I invite you into my life, and I acknowledge that you are the Son of God and that God raised you from the dead on the third day. Today I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home, and that God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.